What's up, Whisper Nation? Welcome into the Week 16 Championship version of the Matchup Preview Show. Right here. We are the Fancy Whispers. My name is Big Travi. I'm hosting today, and you can find me on Twitter at BigTraviTFW. I am joined, as always, in these recent weeks with the man, the myth, the legend, ARC, Austin Sear, who you can find over on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. What kind of cardigan are we rocking today, Austin? We are rocking a Black Friday, 60% off Banana Republic brick maroon cardigan, Travis. Nobody has sweater game in the fantasy football industry, and nobody may have sweater game in the world like Austin Sear. So if anything, follow him for his fantasy football advice, but follow him for his fashion advice, because really that's where Austin shines through. On the other mic, we have Johnny Game Time Hicks. You can find on Twitter at Johnny underscore Game Time. Johnny, your sweater's not bad. Yeah, mine's nothing. I got this at Ross. Um, but Austin's cards or uh, Austin's, uh, you know, cardigans over there are sounding a lot like my my basketball and football cards. You know, he's got like this prism. Like they're like you talk about the crazy names for the the basketball cards. Austin over there naming this wild cardigan. Yeah. Austin. Well, this one's holographic too. You know, so Johnny will take his cards, buy them in a pack, and then send them off to get graded. Austin gets his sweaters, you know, divvies them up, and then sends them off to Kanye West to get graded. (laughs) He sends those back to him, lets them know what's going on. So, yeah, it's some some good stuff over there. Some rare finds, though. Austin, I got to give it to you, man. But uh, that's not what you came here for, Whisper Nation. You didn't come here for the sweaters. You came here to win a fantasy football championship. And as always, we go through these matchups, try to give you every fantasy relevant storyline for the week 16 slate of games. We've got 12 more games um, because the Saturday games are, are over with. We've got those over on YouTube. So go check those out. And we're going to start off with the Baltimore Ravens hosting the New York football giants. This is a 45 point over under you've got Baltimore favored by 10 at home. I've just got to start us off with that Giants backfield, Austin. And how how are we going to interpret this? We know Baltimore's been tough on defense and in all three levels, uh, but Wayne Gallman's been kind of okay for you. Are you trusting him here championship week against this Baltimore front? It's really tough, Travis. Wayne Gallman's been really good when he's been getting opportunity. But if last week is any indicators, Alfred Morris out of nowhere, seven carries for 39 yards in the second half of week 15 gives me some cause for concern because Wayne Gallman, when given more than 12 touches, has never been under double-digit fantasy points. Uh, But he's also never broken double-digit fantasy points receiving less than 12 carries. So if Morris is going to be more involved in the rushing attack, keeping Wayne Gallman away from getting those 12 carries, yeah, I'm concerned, Travis. And I think that there's a real shot of Alfred Morris doing that. There's no reason why they should have Wayne Gallman try to win you a fantasy championship. Um, so I'm definitely concerned that this is just going to be a three-headed uh, running back backfield this week, with, of course, the third being Deion Lewis, who's a pass-catching back who doesn't actually catch a pass every single game. So you're definitely not starting Deion Lewis. Alfred Morris is not a recommended start. He is still that backup, but it's just how much work is he going to siphon from Wayne Gallman? And if that week is an indicator, it's enough to make you pause starting him. Deep flex RB4 for me, Travi. Yeah, and I don't think your pause or your concern gets any clearer when you go to the wide receiving core either. Um, this is a t- you know this was a trio of wide receivers coming into the year we were all excited about, um, you know, but just really hasn't put it together. Obviously injuries, Daniel Jones just kind of sucking, uh, among other things, causing the 
downgrade to a fantasy football value for these wide receivers. You look at it, Sterling Shepard would be the only one you'd be considering. Um, after five straight games of double-digit PPR points, he's now had three straight games of nine or fewer uh, fantasy points. He's hit double-digit dar- targets only once this year, and he's going to see a healthy dose of Marlon Humphrey. Baltimore only allowing 20.7 points per game to wide receivers. That's the sixth fewest in the NFL. So even Shepard, who we liked a few weeks ago, we I mean, I can't couldn't – I can't advise you to start him or Darius Slayton, who's obviously seen four or fewer catches in four straight games, and then Golden Tate, who hasn't f- topped five catches since week five, and he's yet to eclipse 50 yards this season. You should stay away from these pass catchers. But Johnny Evan Ingram is a guy that's been really good as, as far as the focal point of this offense, and, and it's translated to some fantasy success. Somewhat, right? Uh, when you're talking about uh, tight ends, you're definitely, okay, he's he's definitely getting it done. Uh, you like his targets since the bye. He's seen seven or more targets in three out of four games. The unfortunate thing is just like you're talking about with these pass catchers, Travis, the upside is just not there. He hasn't had more than 50 receiving yards uh, only once in that span, and he hasn't scored. And then you're looking at Baltimore, a somewhat difficult matchup only allowing 52 receiving yards on average to opposing tight ends, but they've only given up five total touchdowns to the tight end position uh, all year. The league leader is four, uh, so you can see how stout they are at guarding that position. If you can, you know, get like maybe a a Tunyon. Uh, We'll talk about him later on in the show. Maybe stream a, a better option. I just don't know if the upside is there, but he should be pretty steady. On the other side of the ball, we've got the Baltimore Ravens. And, Austin, it looks like this Baltimore backfield has maybe leveled out. We've seen J.K. Dobbins kind of take the reins here. Um, How are we feeling about this matchup up against that Giants uh, defensive front? There are really just two halfbacks to consider now, Travi. Finally, about time. It's J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Mark Ingram is a complete non-factor from fantasy and Baltimore Ravens football perspectives. Uh, starting with J.K. Dobbins, the last two weeks, his snap percentage has been above 50%. He's the only halfback in this position, Travis. Along that same stretch, uh, plus one more week, he's had 11 or more carries, 50 or more yards, and a touchdown in all of his games the last three weeks. He's outnumbered Gus Bus in red zone carries as well. That's looking good. Five red zone carries compared to three red zone carries in week 15. But Gus Edwards is still the goal line back or Lamar Jackson. So He is ceiling capped an RB2 because he's not going to get that goal line work. If anything did happen to Gus Edwards, well, Mark Ingram would probably fill in then. But if J.K. Dobbins was completely unleashed, he'd be an RB1, RB2 because of Gus Edwards, um, who would be a flex or an RB3 option. Not a horrible, horrible choice, Travis and Gus Edwards, because while he's only getting seven to nine carries a game the last three weeks, he's had over 50 yards in all three of those. He's averaging over eight yards a carry. He is that goal line back. He can get you two touchdowns any given week. Um, and the Giants are kind of a middle of the road matchup here. They give the 14th most points to fantasy running backs. Um, J.K. Dobbins is the obvious start. Gus Edwards, though, you could flex him there and pray for a touchdown. Yeah, Edwards, just about 10 points last week in a similar game where they were double digit favorites right so he's gonna get usage in this game so i think if you're desperate for a running back situation as austin said like you could get flex value rb3 value out of gus edwards johnny i want to ask about marquise brown because he's kind of heated up as of late as you know has lamar jackson who we'll get out we'll get to, to talking about shortly but marquise brown do you like him this week 
He's been the wide receiver 14 over the last four weeks, Travis, as Lamar Jackson has heated up like you've talked about. He is responsible for 40% of Baltimore's air yards. The uh, only Scary Terry uh, has a higher percentage of his team's air yards. So pretty impressive at what he's doing. His name hasn't been talked about as much uh, over this year, but he has really turned it on. Over 50 receiving yards in three out of four games and has a touchdown in three out of four games. Double-digit fantasy points in four straight. The only downside here, um, you know, New York Giants allowing 163.7 receiving yards per game on average to opposing wide receivers. Uh, not not so bad when you when you talk about like Marquise Brown, uh, Marquise Brown getting 40 percent of of that. Most likely uh, the only downside, like I said, will draw Bradbury. He is a tough matchup, but he is he came off the covid list. Um, so maybe his conditioning isn't quite there. Uh, I would still start Marquise Brown, but more as a wide receiver three with potential wide receiver one upside, if I'm allowed to say that. That's kind of weird to jump two spaces, but um, we can we can see that his floor is a little bit limited, so that's why the hesitation. Seems like we're starting to get better things out of this entire offense, and that extends over to Mark Andrews. Back to his top five status, the number five tight end in standard, despite missing two games. He's got three straight games of 10 or more fantasy points and 60 or more receiving yards now in four straight weeks. Giants are a tough on-paper matchup. They're only allowing seven points per game. Uh, that's the ninth fewest in the NFL right now. But it's Mark Andrews. It's a guy who's been a focal point of this offense um, in the past. I'm, I'm trusting him and the offense at this point. I'm also trusting the heater that Lamar Jackson has been on. Three straight games of 25 fantasy points or more. He's averaged 84 rushing yards over his last three games. Three touchdowns or more in those same three games. Giants, once again, going to be a tough on-paper matchup. But I'm going to trust Lamar's heater. Um, even though the Giants are averaging 16.1 fantasy points per game allowed, that's the fifth fewest. They're only giving up 11 rushing yards per game on average. You saw what this defense was able to do against, uh, you know, Russell Wilson. But I will say this, Lamar, a much different runner than any quarterback in this league. Um, so you have that upside there in any given week. I would be trusting Lamar and most of this offense as well. A couple offenses that we've been known to trust over the last few years, really, uh, are facing off this week. Kansas City Chiefs are hosting the Atlanta Falcons in a 53.5 point over under. Kansas City favored by 10.5 at home here. Um, some of these lines for Kansas City are just baffling to me, but this continues to be the case. This is the third highest over under uh, that is out there. <clears throat> Johnny, we'll start on the Falcon side of the ball and feeling like if we can trust Matt Ryan or not. We know Julio's out. We know we've talked many times on this show. Well, we don't know if he's out, but he's probably out. Um, and we've talked many times on this show on what that means for Matt Ryan himself. <clears throat> How are you feeling about Matt Ryan going into this matchup? I mean, if somehow Julio does end up going in this game, it would boost my confidence just a little bit in Matt Ryan. But if he's out, look, uh, I do expect this to be a shootout, but Matt Ryan is still risky. Um, he's only scored over 20 fantasy points two times in the last eight games, and they've been in a lot of shootouts. Um, you know, Kansas City is giving up 238 passing yards per game and has given up 24 passing touchdowns on the season. So there is opportunity there, but... Matt Ryan has failed to hit his ceiling several times. So if Julio is not in this game, then I, I have 
very little confidence he can hit his ceiling. But if Julio plays, uh, then I, I think that I wouldn't mind him as a low-end uh, low quarterback one. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that. I think Julio is probably not going to play. If he does go, I think you're probably going to start him. I mean, that's just the way Julio is. You know, you're going to get him in your lineup. Um, Kansas City, one of the hardest wide receiver uh, matchups there is. 19.7 points per game allowed. That's fourth fewest. Only 13 wide receiver touchdowns they've given up this year. That's the fifth fewest allowed. Um, but outside of Julio, I really love what I'm seeing out of, obviously, Calvin Ridley. Um, you look at the last two weeks without Julio in the lineup, Calvin Ridley, 26 targets, 18 catches, 287 yards, and two touchdowns, really lighting it up. I know he put a lot of people in the championship last week, knocked me out of a few semifinals, that's for sure. Uh, you look at Russell Gage, three straight games of 13 or more fantasy points now, seven or more targets in four of his last five, touchdowns in two of his last three. I love Russell Gage. I know the matchup's not great on paper. Once again, third highest over under here, though, and Russell Gage has been targeted, especially when Julio's not in the game. So give me a bunch of those wide receivers for Atlanta, um, the two starting ones, depending on who they are. I imagine Julio misses this one. Austin, uh, after Todd Gurley was one of the most, you know, consistent players and, or, uh, you know, fancy players out there for us, uh, how he's just not been there this, this year. How are you seeing the backfield shakeout for this particular matchup? Yeah, we've had a shift, Travis. Todd Gurley is now the backup to Edo Smith and nostalgia is not a startable quality. You're no longer putting Todd Gurley in your starting lineups. Brian Hill is the guy we thought was going to be that number two option and step up if. Todd Gurley ever stepped down, but he's had 19 total yards um, on 11 combined carries over the last three weeks and not really looking like a good asset from any fantasy football or regular football perspective. Ito Smith, though, has been hands down the best runner of late, Travis. Um, over this last month, he's averaged 4.4 yards per carry on nine carries a game. He's also been involved in the pass catching mix as much as any of the other two halfbacks. Um, but the downside is his 12 carries is a season high. And if you're going to get any type of matchup altering outputs from Edo Smith, we're going to need more opportunity. And I'm just not sure that happens given Brian Hill and Todd Gurley's role still in the offense. Yeah, it's like the running backs against Kansas City here for Atlanta. It's kind of like boozy eggnog. Sounds good in theory, but then you're puking all over yourself. I don't, I don't imagine that anybody's really going to be happy with uh, starting any Atlanta back, even though the matchup uh, looks really good. It's so Johnny, heavy. Yeah, exactly. Weighing you down here. Arthritic knees and, and boozy eggnog. It kind of goes together, I guess. Johnny, anything to say here or speak on for Hayden Hurst in this matchup? No, I mean, I would try to look elsewhere on, on Hayden Hurst. He's only had over two fantasy points twice in the last five games, so it's a huge gamble. Kansas City does, they are a little bit susceptible in yardage for the tight end position, uh, but I just don't know if, like, two points is your floor. I, I think you can find a better floor option at the tight end position. On the other side of the football, there's, you know, points to be had all over the place, but it's <laughs> it's really with their studs, right? It's uh, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, uh, Tyreek Hill. We have to watch some of the things going on uh, with Tyreek Hill and his uh, injury here, Austin, but we imagine he'll go, and, and if he weren't to go, maybe play a little devil's advocate for some of those fantasy players out there. Yeah, Tyreek Hill does go. He's an auto start. He's setting records. He's doing what he does right now, but he is needing to be monitored given that hamstring, Travi. If he's out... Sammy Watkins is the plug-and-play option for me. 
in the Kansas City Chiefs offense. He's had an over 70% snap share the last month. Every single game Sammy Watkins has had that since he's been back. He's number two wide receiver in targets behind Hill, uh, ahead of Nicole Hardman. Um, Sammy Watkins has broken 50 yards in the last two weeks straight. That gives him four out of his eight total games that he's played and been active in over 50 yards. He's missed five games, obviously, with that. Um, if Tyreek Hill is down, you'd expect that opportunity to go up even more. Now, the question then becomes between Nicole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson. It's been the same story really all season long. Demarcus has just had more opportunity. He's had an above 50% snap share in every single game since week four, Travis. But Nicole Hardman's able to do more with the opportunities that he's given. He's also getting more targets than Robinson, but he does spend less time on the field. Higher upside play in Nicole, but hasn't broken 50 yards um, more than twice all season long. Um, so it would be Sammy Watkins. That would be the recommended start. I'd probably look elsewhere after that. But if you had to pick between those two other Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers, it'd be me, Cole Hardman for me, Travi. The equivalent of pocket aces is Patrick Mahomes, who is the number one overall scorer in fantasy versus the Atlanta Falcons, who allow the most points to quarterbacks. Johnny, anything here that you're going to uncover uh, for the Whisper Nation on what they should do with Patrick Mahomes? Stardom. You're gonna, you're, he's hopefully gonna win you a championship and put up a big fifty burger. Uh, listen, I'm gonna be Sounds real. Like you're speaking hey, yo, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you right now. I hope this happens. I'm wishing. I have Pat Mahomes in the championship, and I desperately need him to go off for fifty. So I am hoping that happens. But no, the great matchup. You love to see it in the championship, and it should be a shootout. Uh, get, you're not, you're not even thinking twice about Pat. On paper, this is not a great matchup for the running backs of Kansas City. Uh, Atlanta is a top-five matchup against running backs. They allow only 15.3 points per game. They've been really a pass funnel. You can just throw on them all day, and so therefore teams are not running on them so much. But they have allowed the fifth-most receptions to running backs per game. And here's the deal. CEH has not been practicing all week, which means Le'Veon Bell could be in line for maybe his best game yet. He did have his best game as a Chief last week, 16 touches. 74 total yards and a touchdown. He's going to be in line for great volume in this game as 10.5-point favorites. I think Le'Veon Bell is an auto start uh, should CEH not go here. And I know he oh. hasn't been the most efficient back, but on pure volume alone in this offense, you're going to want to put him in his lineup. CH and then is, efficiency is is nothing. What was that? I'm sorry. Uh, CEH is uh, for sure ruled out. Uh, it, uh, all the yeah. way ruled out? Yeah. Oh, so wow. that's Yeah. He's, uh, breaking news. Where was the drop, Johnny? I'm sorry. B breaking news. News. <laughs> uh, CH nice. uh, officially out for, uh, a, I think it's three weeks is what it was. Here's some more breaking news for you. Travis Kelsey, good at football. Put him in your lineup. He's going to do really good things for you. Yeah. So good. All right. A team not doing really good things. Well, I guess they did get their first win last week. The New York football jets are going to host the Cleveland Browns this is a 47 point over under Cleveland favored by nine and a half on the road. Austin, how are we feeling about this backfield? And really, you know, we know who Nick Chubb is. Is there concern here in championship week for Kareem Hunt? First, we do know who Nick Chubb is. He's the number one ranked elusive running back for any starting running back. And it's not even close. Double-digit finishes in all but one game he's played through, Travi. Kareem Hunt is the question mark, right? And Baker's improved play and tempo over the last several stretch of games uh, has impacted Kareem Hunt's fantasy output. And we've seen his snap percentage, his carry totals, 
uh, his yardage totals trend downward uh, ever since this stretch has started. I mean, we're looking at his rushing yards going back a month, 62 yards, 33 yards, 33 yards, 21 yards. Last week, snap share percentage, 47, 45, 32%. It's trending downwards in last week's 4.3 total fantasy points was his lowest output of the season. You're still going to be getting him going against the New York football Jets, who are a better rush defense than pass defense. Um, there's just no way you're going to be taking Kareem Hunt out of your lineup. You're just hoping you can get an upside game. But is there reason for concern? Yeah, I think there is a little bit of reason for concern. You got a couple of dots that are connecting well when they were such a run dominant team. Running these two running backs was clear cut two ones at the position. But Baker's now a startable fantasy asset. I'm not sure what that really benefits Kareem Hunt right now. But the upside's there. Kareem Hunt's usage and output trending down, kind of like our stimulus checks. Johnny, how are we feeling about the wide receivers? Uh, is there room for growth here? Are we going to get some profit out of the wide receivers this week? Baker really been on a heater. I'll talk about that in a second. And it's kind of trickled down to these wide receivers. Yeah, the Jets have just been giving up a ton of receiving yards to the wide receivers by themselves. You know, 186.6 yards on average per game. They've allowed 16 touchdowns to the wide receiver position. And then you look at what these wide receivers have been doing as of late with Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, 50-plus receiving yards in four straight games. He's seen eight-plus targets during that span as well. He scored a touchdown in three out of four. You're starting Jarvis Landry. Now, Rashard Higgins, he's been heating up. He's been pretty consistent, and he leads the team in snaps with 47% and uh, and snap share Um I'm not I'm not sure why I put that double there. Uh but uh so Richard Higgins <laughs> Richard Higgins though um has been has been pretty se- pretty steady over the last 4 weeks as well. I think because of this matchup uh and you're getting the Jets, you can still roll him out there and I I do like his chances to score a touchdown this week. Yeah, and I think Austin Hooper could kind of join that club as a guy who's got a shot at a touchdown this week. He had a bounce, nice bounce-back game last week, five catches, six targets, 41 yards, and a touchdown. The Jets allowing the most points to opposing tight ends among all defenses. Johnny, I'll ask you, we talked about two tight ends that were kind of on the streaming radar, but maybe that we'd fade. Uh, we talked about Hayden Hurst. Uh, we talked about Evan Ingram. Would you be starting Austin Hooper over either of those guys? Um, It's it's the Jets. Um. I might like it a slightly more. I just I think that you can find better plays in both of those as well. Just keep keep well, passing. It, on. Well, yeah, because you see, like Austin Hooper has been playing like fifty percent of of right. his of snaps. So that's that's a yeah. They still have Harrison Bryant. They still have David Njoku. So there's guys that are fighting for snaps there. I do understand the concern there for sure. Yeah, I think Evan Ingram would be the top one there for me, and then you'd go uh, maybe Hooper and Hurst. Yeah. Baker Mayfield, want to talk quickly just about how he's been good. I need to eat a little crow on Baker Mayfield because over the last few weeks, I've been trying to say that the bottom's going to fall out, but he's here, he's doing good things, and now he's going to get one of the best matchups in football. The Jets allowing the third most points per game to quarterbacks at 21.8. New York has surrendered the second most touchdowns to QB this season with 30. Uh, You've got to keep Baker in your lineup. 22 or more fantasy points in four straight games, 11 touchdowns to only one interception over his last four games. He's really feeling it. I think the offense is finally starting to gel. Remember, this is the first year with Kevin Stefanski, so they had a little bit of growing pains in the first mm. half of the year, and I think those have kind of shaken off. Go ahead and say On it, On the Travis. Jets side of the... Call it by what? his name. Call him by his name. 
Baker, Baker, Baker touchdown. Baker, touchdown maker. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we got it out of Big yeah. Travi this year. <laughs> I we busted we out would. the headband for the first time in a while. I'm feeling it. All yeah, right. there we I'll go. Bust out some some TikTok dance moves. You know, I'll whip a nay nay for you here real quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Austin, I wanted to talk about the Jets briefly. Uh, nobody really wants to talk about the Jets, but uh, anything there with those wide receivers? Because there were times that this wide receiving core was profitable for you, and th if this game ends up being a little bit of a shootout where Jets have to come back, uh, do you like anybody in that wide receiving room? I'm really not loving it, Travi. Brashad Perriman has the biggest upside from his play style and natural abilities. The upside is there. But one to three catches over the last three weeks, he's never broken 27 yards over that same stretch. Jameson Crowder, who started the year off on such an insane pace, has had four-plus targets the last four weeks. That's a long departure from the double-digit loads we saw earlier in the season. Crowder would be the most attractive start to me, but I expect him to be covered quite a bit of the game by cornerback Kevin Johnson, who does status pro football focuses top cornerback. Denzel Mims is not an option. The Browns give up the 11th most points to fantasy wide receivers. It's not a bad start. It's just the Jets. They went off last week. It's a tough tea leaf to read. Jameson Crowder, then Brashad Perriman, nothing else after that. Like, you don't want to chase points in fantasy, and you specifically don't want to chase points on the New York Jets. Like, that's the last straw you want to go for. So I, I like the breakdown there, Austin. And I think it's similar with the running backs. You've got Ty Johnson, right? He's only had one game over double-digit touches this entire year. So then we go to Frank Gore, the, you know, the immortal one, 24 touches last week, but three straight weeks of sub three yards per carry. He's got no game over hundred rushing yards this year, only two rushing touchdowns all year long. Then Cleveland, it's not a good matchup. They allow the ninth fewest points per game, ninth fewest rushing yards to running backs. And the jets are nearly 10 point underdogs. I don't see a situation where Frank Gore is in your championship starting lineup. And really, after what we said, I don't think any Jet should be in your uh, fantasy football championship lineup. We're going to go to our next game here where the Jacksonville Jaguars are hosting the Chicago Bears. This is a 47-point over-under. Chicago favored by 7.5 on the road. Johnny, I want to start with one of the most trustworthy players in the Chicago Bears uh, uniform, and that is Allen Robinson. Anything outside of Allen Robinson in the passing attack for the Bears, because um, we obviously know he's going into our lineup here. Yeah, Allen Robinson, 70-plus 70 receiving, 70 receiving yards in four straight, has two 13-target games. He could see another 13-target game in this one. Jags giving up the six most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. Look, Darnell Mooney, as much as he's uh, looking like he could potentially be something in the future, his targets are still too inconsistent. I know he hit pay dirt last week, but it's just too inconsistent on the targets uh, for me to want to throw him in in such an important game. So I'd... Yeah, only besides Allen Robinson, uh, I'm not starting anybody. Austin, I think kind of like uh, Baker Mayfield, Mitch. I mean, not as good, but Baker Mayfield or uh, Mitch Trubisky is a guy that we could be considering starting in this week, especially against the Jaguars. Um, and Mitch Trubisky is a guy I might have to eat a little bit of crow on for fantasy football purposes. May not be the best, is not a good real quarterback, but may not be a bad fantasy quarterback. How do you feel about Mitch Trubisky this week? Trubisky, Trubisky, start him quickly. <laughs> We're, well, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> averaging 244 and a half passing yards a game. 
two touchdowns a game since he's gotten the starting rollback. And during that stretch, the Bears have scored 30 or more points in their last three games. He's looking good for fantasy perspective. He's looking good from a Chicago Bears perspective as well. And he's going up against the Jacksonville defense that's allowing the third most points to fantasy quarterbacks. And if we take a stab here at a little bit of the psychological implications, the Bears have a lot to play for. The Jags have a lot to lose for. I think Mitchell Trubisky is a great start this week, Travi. Austin, three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, uh, we I had a question. We all had a question about David Montgomery. You remember what that question was? Is he good at football? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's the question we were asking. He now has 22 fantasy points or more in four straight games. He's averaged 143 scrimmage yards over the last month, six touchdowns over the last month. He's ballooned all the way up to RB6 on the season. No running back has scored more points over the last four weeks than David Montgomery. Not Derrick Henry, not Dalvin Cook. David Montgomery is your number one running back over the last month. Jacksonville allowing the fourth most points per game to running backs this season. I just wanted to give him some credit there. And Austin, I think you might want to come in a little bit here too. He's the number two starting running back in elusive ranking right behind Nick Chubb, right ahead of Kareem Hunt. It's a really, really good season right now for him. It's kind of crazy to see it's changed so much. I, I, it's one of those things where you like we pound on our chest and say volume is king, volume is king, and it's finally that the volume paid off. Now, he got a bunch of cupcake matchups for sure as far as defenses are concerned, but you still got to go out there and do it. I mean, we see guys flop on good matchups all the time. So this is a situation where I just wanted to give a little bit of credit to Montgomery because I have been on this podcast saying that he might not be good at football, and he seems to have been turning that narrative around. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars have not been very good at football. Um, and so I guess I'll start with maybe their best player. It's DJ Shark, um, Johnny. And it just hasn't been there for him this year. Is it going to be there this week? Uh, even if it was tempting to be, which it's not, because it's again Chicago, who is a top five defense against the wide receiver position. Shark uh, is just a mirage this year. And we need to hope and pray that the the Jags don't mess this up and that they get Trevor Lawrence. And then next year, DJ Chark will be amazing. But it's just not this year. The one bright spot for the Jacksonville Jaguars has been the revelation of James Robinson, Austin, who has just been the the motor for this offense and for a lot of fantasy football championship rosters. Yeah, he's been phenomenal. He's the number four running back in all fantasy formats. Going up against the Bears this week, who've given up the 11th fewest points to opposing running backs and stat out as the sixth best run defense. That might give you a little cause for concern, but consider that Pittsburgh and Cleveland both rank better and stat better than Cleveland, or excuse me, than Chicago does. And James Robinson averaged 5.2 yards per carry against both of those defenses now you need to monitor his health though he's dealing with an ankle injury um but if he is active you just love to see it because he's caught 20 out of 21 passes over the last five weeks um but if he's not himself that talent is going to be diminished and he's not going to give you the fantasy production he's done all season keep him monitored throughout the week all right moving on to our next game we have the houston texans hosting the cincinnati Bengals. this is a 46 point over under houston favored by eight points at home here even though Cincinnati just shocking the world on Monday night, beating those Steelers are coming in hot off of this situation here. Did, did you uh, see real quick? Did you see uh, the Juju's um, like pre pre game yeah. thing when he had asked, "Hey, you got to give it to him." The security guard there, Juju went up to him and said, "Who you got?" And he was like, "I got to stick with my boys, Cincinnati." Like, and he he said it to us. Got to give it props, dude. Like sticking with your team, yeah. even though they're terrible, even though P 
Pittsburgh should have like dominated that game. He stuck and and you got the guy right there. It's easy to be like, yo, dude, I want to be on your your TikTok and stuff. I'll go with the Steelers here. No, he stuck with his team. Kudos. Juju uh, has more TikToks. Saw this. He's getting roasted by the internet right now. <laughs> Juju has more TikToks, ninety-five than receiving yards, ninety-three in any game this season. Uh, so Juju just getting bodied by the internet for dancing on the emblems before losses. Uh, it's 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 a weird situation to be in. I guess we'll start there, Johnny. Uh, well, I guess we're going to start on the Cincinnati side of the ball, so we won't start there. I'm going to start uh, with Giovanni Bernard, who I actually think is a really good start this week. Massive workload last week uh, in an upset win. 25 touches, 97 total yards, and two touchdowns. Um, you look at Houston, they're still a fantastic defense to target for opposing running backs. Uh, 25.4 points per game allowed. That's the second most. 1,916 yards given up to running backs. Uh, rushing yards, that's the most. And 46 more yards than any other team. Uh, 17 rushing touchdowns, most given up by any team. Giovanni Bernard's in a good spot this week. I know it's not, you know, he's had his bottom fall out a couple times, but he got it done last week against a really tough Pittsburgh defense. I'd be okay with Giovanni Bernard this week. Um, so I'd be okay rolling him out there. I want to talk a little bit, Johnny, about the wide receiver situation in Cincinnati because it is a very talented group of guys, um, but this is maybe not a spot for them. Yeah, it does look like a nice matchup against Houston, but I would look elsewhere in such an important weekend. You've got Boyd dealing with the concussion stuff. Uh, A.J. Green just he's been missed all year. Uh, and then T. Higgins, which he's been looking like a nice rookie, but he's kind of faded off uh, with you know these other quarterbacks coming in. He's only had over 50 receiving yards once in the last five games. Um, and so, yeah, I would just look elsewhere for this year. Next year, these guys could be really exciting. Austin Ryan Finley knocked on the door last week of a 20-point game. Are we thinking, are we getting a little dangerous here? Well, uh, you might like to live a little bit more dangerously than I do. <laughs> I'm not going to be starting Ryan Finley. I'm not going to be starting Brandon Allen. Do keep an eye on which quarterback is starting, but better yet, don't keep an eye on it because you should be considering something completely elsewhere. Big Travi. The confidence uh, maybe for the Houston Texans side of the ball could start with David Johnson. I want to know where your confidence level is at there, Austin. If you're not very high on Ryan Finley, maybe you're somewhat higher on David Johnson. I am higher on David Johnson. In his first <laughs> game back, Johnson secured 11 targets for 11 catches and 106 yards last week. Big Travi, um, this seemed to work. I expect to see more targets come in his way to close out the year. He's also the only unquestioned running back that they've got. Duke Johnson's been dealing with a neck injury. Buddy Howell now looks to be the true spellback behind David Johnson. He was efficient on the ground. He had five carries, 22 yards, but was not involved at all in the passing game. Cincinnati stats is the eighth easiest rush defense. I like David Johnson a lot this week, Travis. Johnny, the Frankenstein wide receiver core for the Houston Texans has been more monster than mash lately with Will Fuller suspended. Um, how are you feeling? Which wide receiver are you starting here in this one? I'm definitely starting Brandon Cooks. He leads the team in targets, 59 or more receiving yards in five out of six games. So I feel confident in Brandon Cooks. Cincinnati, they are a little bit stingier than people think, only allowing 156.7 receiving yards on average uh, per game to opposing wide receivers. Um, but I would still throw Brandon Cooks in there. I think also Kiki Cutie uh, is is worth a wide receiver three flex option. Uh, he's either scored or exceeded 100 yards in each of Houston's last three games. So I would uh, feel confident throwing him in like the flex spot. Um, and it's Hanson, just unfortunately, just the targets dissipated uh, once Brandon Cooks came back. So I'd look elsewhere. 
Deshaun Watson's been a case of up and down lately. I think a lot of that has to do with matchups. It's been a lot to do with obviously the wide receiving core and, and just a bad team that he's on right now. Um, you hope for his sake they get that a little bit improved in the offseason, get a, a good coach in there. But after back-to-back weeks under 20 fantasy points, he had a strong game last week against a tough indie defense, 33 of 41, 373 yards and two touchdowns, 25 rushing yards. Cincinnati been a pretty good team. Um, they've given up the 12th fewest points uh, to quarterbacks, but they've given up the sixth most passing touchdowns to quarterbacks. So I really like Watson in this game. I think this is a game that he can get it done. They're eight-point favorites. I think he'll be the reason why they get ahead in this game. Um, and I think, you know, uh, you should feel confident with Deshaun Watson as if he got you there to the championship of rolling him out there in your championship game. The Los Angeles Chargers will be hosting the Denver Broncos in a 48-and-a-half point over-under. Uh, the Chargers favored by three in New SoFi Stadium. We're going to start with the Broncos on that side of the ball, and I think maybe the most productive player for them over the last month, six weeks or so, um, has been Melvin Gordon. And so, Austin, how how do you feel about Melvin Gordon and, and, and maybe even Philip Lindsay this week? I really like Melvin Gordon. Travi. Uh, he's averaged just under 13 touches over the past month with a very efficient 5.7 yards per carry over that same stretch. And last week, he took his 11 carries for 61 yards and two touchdowns. He's been the lead running back involved in the passing game where Philip Lindsay hasn't really had a role at at all. Um, and Los Angeles is middle of the road in terms of rush defense. It's uh, There is some opportunity there ahead for Melvin Gordon. I don't like it so much, though, for Philip Lindsay. Um, he's more of a floor play running back from my perspective. His 9 to 13 carries that he pretty much gets every game, I think you can expect this week as well. But he's been fairly inefficient. Um, Going to get you 30-something yards. Uh, he's gotten more targets as of late from the passing game, but we're talking like 0 to 1 targets up to 2 to 3 targets. Um, so this is a RB4 situation with really limited upside. You're going to need a breakaway touchdown for something happening for Philip Lindsay. But I really like what Melvin Gordon's about. It's a big body who's really good at catching passes. Um, get him going. It seems like it's the best ad they had this year, uh, Melvin Gordon, for, for the Broncos. It just only thing that seems to be working for them, and that extends onto these wide receivers. Uh, you know, you look at Jerry Judy, you know, the, the number one pick for them uh, in this year's draft. Nine or fewer fantasy points in six straight games, has not topped five targets in four straight games. He's not topped 42 receiving yards since week 10. Um, you look at what the Chargers do, they give up the 10th fewest points to wide receivers per game. And they give up the fourth fewest receiving yards per game. So I don't think that you can start any wide receiver in the core for Denver this week. Um, part of that is Drew Locke's situation. And part of it's, you know, these wide receivers themselves. Tim Patrick hasn't topped 45 receiving yards in four straight games. Four or fewer catches in four straight. And then K.J. Hamler, six or fewer targets in five straight games. I mean, K.J. Hamler didn't even get it done last week against Buffalo's corner, who we know everybody is getting it done against. <laughs> in the slot, so he's yet to top 90 yards this season. Don't like any of these guys, which means I probably don't like Drew Locke this week, but Johnny, you think there's some hope with Noah Fant? Yeah, I do think, you know, it's not a particularly good matchup, but, you know, we were talking about those tight ends earlier, and, you know, what, where would we land them? I think Noah Fant is one of those guys that might be considered in that pool, but I would definitely start over all of them. Fant had 
Seven receptions for 47 yards against the Bolts back in week eight. I understand it's not going to be the same exact game plan, but you see what the floor is like like for Fant. And then you look at what he's done over the last few weeks. He's had over seven fantasy points in three out of the last five games. Um, and so I feel confident in starting Fant in this game despite the terrible matchup because they will be able to throw uh, somewhat and Fant will be involved in that. For the Chargers and for fantasy GMs that held on to Austin Eckler, he has rewarded them pretty well over the last few weeks. Austin, how are we feeling about Eckler in this matchup against Denver? He's just been kind of the stud we know him to be. Yeah, we're feeling good about it, Trav. He's looking efficient and as to be expected since he's come back. 60% plus snap share in every game since he's returned. And the last two weeks averaged 14 carries for 70 yards, plus caught all 13 targets for a combined 86 yards. Over the last two weeks, Kalen Balaj would be the only other consideration. And I think that you need to fade on him this week. And if you're playing week 17 as well, the numbers really speak for themselves. We've seen his snap percentage go from 72 to 66, 37, 31, 31. And the yardage that correlates with those same snap percentages, 68 yards, 44, 34, 14, 11. He is trending downwards. There's not a lot of reason to believe he's going to pick that production up given how well Eckler's performing. And they still do have Josh Kelly over there who can spell it. Uh, fade on Kalen Balaj, but fire up Austin Eckler if you've got him, Travi. Yeah, I think this team has some of the most talented weapons um, around a guy that they l really just hit on in Justin Herbert when they drafted him as well. Um, and Herbert's going to have a chance to break, should break, the rookie touchdown uh, record this weekend. Uh, throwing for, uh, I believe, his 28th, 29th touchdown. So that'll be exciting to watch. I'm looking to see if Herbert can hit his ceiling again. He had three straight games of two or fewer touchdowns, but then bounced back really nice, hit that 30-point ceiling last week against the Las Vegas Raiders, 22 of 32 for 314 yards and three total touchdowns. You look at Denver, they're allowing the ninth most fantasy points per game to QBs, 19.8. We know that Herbert, you're starting him. I want to see if he's going to be able to get you that championship this week against a, a matchup that should be pretty good, seventh highest over under. Johnny, uh, he's got some concern, or, or GMs, even fantasy GMs have some concern with Keenan Allen, who's a little dinged up right now, did play against Vegas. That wasn't looking good but did end up playing and limited snaps. How are you feeling about him this week? He's had a few extra days to get healthy. I mean, if he plays, you're playing him uh, in this game, but do know that there is the risk once again that he'll either be limited in his snaps or it's a hamstring issue. So that can go at any second, and so you're risking that. But the upside is certainly there. It's a, it's a decent matchup. Uh, Denver giving up 163 receiving yards uh, to opposing wide receivers and 13 touchdowns on the year. Uh, I will say that of the three wide receivers, uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Guyton, uh, it is, according to Pro Football Focus, Keenan Allen will draw the most difficult matchup of the three uh, corners for Denver and Will Parks, who's only giving up 0.2 fantasy points per out run on average. So, um, the one I really like is Mike Williams. I think that you can flex him in this game. I know it is risky, um, but I do think he has wide receiver three upside. He has, um, I'm not even, Michael, I've, I've tried to pronounce his name. I'm just going to call him OJ, uh, but he is giving up 0.3 fantasy points per route ran. Uh, so I do think that you can flex Mike Williams. And Guyton, he's just, he's a little bit of a gamble. He is, he does have a nice cornerback matchup. However, uh, with if Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are both in there, I think that limits his upside. 
I think Hunter Henry, you know, they're not making tight ends like Hunter Henry out there. So you're obviously starting him. This isn't a great matchup. I, I understand you're looking at it. You're not feeling great about it, but there's not anybody out there. You're starting over Hunter Henry, seven or more targets in five of his last seven uh, and three touchdowns in his last six games, including last week. So uh, put Hunter Henry in your lineup. Our next matchup on the slate has the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Indianapolis Colts in a 45 point over under. The Colts favored by one and a half on the road here. Not surprisingly, given Pittsburgh's free fall over the last few weeks, uh, losing three straight. Let's start with the Indianapolis Colts side of the ball. Ball, and I will start with Jonathan Taylor, who you know we you heard us talk about uh, Dave Montgomery just a little bit ago. Only Dave Montgomery has scored more points over the last three weeks than Jonathan Taylor's seventy-two point five points. He's averaging nineteen touches over his last three weeks. Look, I understand this is a tough matchup. Only Tampa Bay and New Orleans are allowing fewer points per games to running back. Uh, Pittsburgh did just give up, however. 25 touches, 97 total yards, and two touchdowns to Gio Bernard. I'm rolling in the fire with Jonathan Taylor. I think he's got a good shot here to get it done. Um, and conversely, I'm going to go in and and say you can go ahead and, and bench Naheem Hines at this point. 12 or fewer touches in three straight games. Back-to-back -back games under 10 fantasy points. And get this, Pittsburgh tough against the run, but they're really tough against receiving backs. No team allows fewer receiving yards per game to the running back than Pittsburgh. So Hines can be benched, in my opinion. Taylor, you got to start. Temper expectations, it's a tough matchup, but this is not somewhere you're going to bench uh, your stud, who's been just really good for you over the last three weeks. Austin, I want to talk about the wide receiving core. T.Y. Hilton really heated up over the last few weeks, and he, continues, he could continue to do so, but this is a really tough spot against this Pittsburgh secondary. Yeah, he's gotten 70-plus yards in his last four games um, with four scores along that same stretch, and he's the number four wide receiver during that four-week stretch. But he's third on the team in snap percentage, which suggests the floor could fall out. He's a cautious start for me, Week 16, going up against a solid Steelers defense. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. and Zach Pascal would be fades for me on this one. Uh, the rookie in Michael Pittman Jr. has been on a cold spell after a solid midseason stretch, hasn't broken 47 yards in that last month. Um, and Zach Pascal's five receptions were a season high last week. Uh, and the two touchdowns he collected doubled his season total. So do not chase the points in this matchup. Um, if you want to slot him ahead of Pittman, fine, but there's no startable player for me here outside of T.Y. Hilton. And I would still temper those expectations for T.Y. Hilton based on his opportunity from a snap percentage, as well as this tough defensive matchup week 16. Hey, Philip Rivers had 17 or more points in five straight games. So you might have been streaming him uh, for that floor play over the last few weeks. A lot of good matchups in there. But those matchups are gone now. He's facing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is there any situation where you're comfortable with Rivers in your lineup? Not, not one bit. Uh, Pittsburgh giving up the second fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. And like you said, there's just no upside to Phillip Rivers, so I wouldn't be throwing him in your in your lineup this week. And those tight ends were probably fading as well. Each of them providing different roles for that Colts offense and not really hitting the fantasy ceiling we like there. Yeah, yeah. on the Pitts Pittsburgh fewest uh, fewest points to the tight end position. Travis, any mini miny mo on whichever one could catch uh, the touchdown down the eeny meeny miny no. Yeah, that's <laughs> the better one. I like that. How about playing a little bit of a catch a tiger or catch a stealer by their toe here? Which wide receiver, Johnny, are you most confident in, uh, if any, uh, in this matchup against the Colts? What a great question, Travis. Now, I understand that we have been through this uh, multiple times 
throughout the course of the season as to our confidence level of these wide receivers. Uh, we were talking about it uh, earlier in this podcast. Juju Smith-Schuster, like you said, has more TikToks than he does uh, receiving yards in any game uh, in 95. So, uh, And then you're looking at this matchup. Now, Indianapolis has come down since the start of this, this year. They were one of the best uh, defenses. Now, they, they're more middle of the road when it comes to guarding these wide receivers. So it's just like normal. Um, you know, Xavier Road should be on Deontay Johnson. So that does give me a little bit of concern uh, because he's their best corner for sure. He's only giving up 0.19 fantasy points per route ran. But I'm still putting Deontay number one on this list. If I were to start him, it would be Deontay. Then it would be Juju. Then it would be Chase Claypool with the high upside play. But you are the limiting. real signifier would be to watch Juju's Instagram before the game yeah. and see if Juju posts a video of him dancing on the on the on the emblem. I guess it is his emblem. Well, they'll be at home, so maybe that's a little bit different. Austin Colin Cowherd came out today and said the Big Ben uh, experiment is over in Pittsburgh. Uh, was really, really kind of a catchy line there that he said there. And this is the week that Big Ben said, I would want to play next year. I think I want to play again and come back. Mm -hmm. For fantasy purposes, Big Ben has not got it done, and, and that's been real and fake football. So how are you feeling about Ben? This is a tough matchup against the Colts. It's not an easy matchup, and if recency would show us anything of where he's coming from, it's not an attractive position, Travis. Uh, week 15, Big Ben threw for just 170 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and has now logged back-to-back -back games under 200 passing yards. He boasts just six touchdowns over compared to five interceptions over the last month as well. Colts give up the eighth fewest points to quarterbacks. This is not an easy matchup, and there isn't a lot of reasons to believe you're going to get a boom performance this week, championship week of anything, Travis. Eric Ebron been one of the better, you know, low low end tight end ones over the last over the season, really. Uh, but dealing with some uh, health issues, how are we feeling, uh, Austin, about the tight end position for the Steelers with or without Eric Ebron? Yeah, it's really just going to come down to health. I don't hate the start if he's in, um, but you're going to have to monitor his role in the practice field throughout the week. Shaky tight end, too, at the moment. Um, if he's out, Vance McDonald will be the fill-in. I mean, he'd be a, a weird streaming option, but but could be one with some upside this week. I'd still look elsewhere um, if you're really considering a Pittsburgh tight end outside of Eric Ebron. We're looking elsewhere into the next matchup. The Washington football team hosting the Carolina Panthers in a 44-and-a-half point over under. Washington favored by two-and-a-half at home here. Austin, I want to start with you here and Mike Davis because Christian McCaffrey uh, out again this week. Um, so just really not getting it done for those who drafted him number one overall. Mm. But Mike Davis, if you were able to scoop him up, kind of saved your season, I'm sure, multiple times. How are you feeling about this particular matchup against that Washington front? Well, I like that CMC isn't going to be in, and so Mike Davis is going to be getting a ton of opportunity where he's seen 11 to 19 touches in each game over the past month. Uh, 51 to 64 yards over the same stretch. His season high on the ground is 89 yards, Travis, and he's been relatively active in the passing game. He's not going to blow you away with yards, but he's going to get enough to pad your floor, and he's got a really good shot of finding the end zone. But you got to temper expectations this week, Travi. Washington gives up the six fewest points to running backs. This isn't a blow-up game, and they're, without a touchdown, there's not a lot of hope of him having a game-influencing performance. Johnny, how... Do we make sense of this wide receiving core for Carolina? They've had theirs up. They've had their downs. 
uh, just last week. Didn't look great against the Green Bay uh, secondary, but we know that's a tough secondary. Washington, also a tough secondary. What do you what do you suggest Whisper Nation does with this wide receiving core? I would honestly, I would bench Robbie Anderson. Uh, the speedster is just consistently contained by the Packers last week, which Big Travi and Austin, uh, kudos to you guys, called that. You said that that would happen. Uh, and you end up putting up a dud, and it probably cost a lot of fantasy managers uh, you know, their playoff spot if they played him. So I would not play Robbie Anderson. Uh, you're looking at this matchup, bottom five and points allowed to the wide receiver position. They're... Washington's giving up the second fewest receiving touchdowns to the wide receiver position. So the uh, you know the only guy that I really have confidence in playing is DJ Moore. Uh, the wide receiver now has at least seven targets in the past four games and at least 96 yards in three of the past four games. We've talked about how electric this guy is and how he takes a few targets and he makes the most of it. And we talked about I mean in our threads when we're watching the game every time it's just like wow DJ Moore is he's so good you can see the talent. Now, Curtis Samuel, I still think that he's a flex play. He does have some upside. He's seen nine-plus targets in three out of four games. His floor is about 42 yards. So uh, just know that that's like a a little bit safer floor than some wide receivers I know, (coughs) DJ Chark. Um, But I don't think I would fully trust him in this game to play him in a championship game. Yeah, and I think all of that spells that, you know, and, and is related, correlated to Teddy Bridgewater, uh, just kind of being more of a timid passer this year. Hasn't thrown for more than th- 300 yards since week nine, has one passing touchdown in his last four games, and then this matchup does not look good uh, for him. And and so I think that trickles down to the rest of the offense there. want to jump over to the Washington football side of things. Alex Smith um, looking like he might be able to come back here. It looks like he's powering through this. So I'll ask you, I mean, Carolina, decent matchup. We're not streaming Alex Smith this week, are we, Austin? No, we're not, Travis. And uh, the question for me is, does anything in this matchup present a reason to believe we're going to get a different output than what we've seen? Carolina's defense quarterback from a quarterbacking perspective is middle of the road. There's no reason to believe we're looking at anything special from a blow-up perspective. While Alex Smith has been pretty darn good from a football perspective, going 4-1 and one over his five starts, he has not thrown more than a single touchdown in any of those starts this season. I don't know why that would change up this week, Travis. Look elsewhere for your championship quarterback. Yeah, and I think that means that, you know, Scary Terry's been more scary than Terry lately, and that's just and not in a good way, right? Like, bit of a bounce-back game last week, 12 targets, 7 catches, 77 yards. But 7 of his last 9 games, he's hit double-digit fantasy points. So you're saying, like, I, I should be able to trust Terry McLaurin? But if he plays, he's obviously dealing with that ankle. Hasn't been practicing this week, so you'll have to monitor that. Even if he plays, this is not a great matchup. It's a tough one. Carolina sneaky good against wide receivers. Only 21.2 fantasy points per game. That's the eighth fewest. Um, you know, anything outside of Terry McLaurin is just not trustworthy. Cam Sims has one game in his last six over double-digit fantasy points. I really think that the you know, the meat and potatoes of the passing game probably comes through Logan Thomas, Austin. Yeah, it's got a good shot, no matter who is quarterbacking for the Washington football team. If it's Alex Smith, if we take a look at weeks 9 through 13, the games that Smith started, Thomas was the tight end number 6, averaging 50 yards plus and 4 catches with about a 50-50 shot of grabbing himself a touchdown. The Panthers give up the 11th most points to tight ends, so I really don't hate this start. And if it's Dwayne Haskins, we saw him just go 13 catches, 16 targets last week for over 100 yards, so you're feeling good about Logan Thomas, regardless of who's behind center. 
Yeah, we'll see what happens with Dwayne Haskins going to the strip club a little too much, seems like. Uh, don't know what's going on. No longer him a captain. James, him and James Harden. I don't know what's going on. Uh, the running back position, Johnny. Uh, looks like Antonio Gibson back to limited practice, but probably not going to be back with that turf toe injury. How are we feeling about J.D. McKissick this week? I'm absolutely starting him. It's going to be weird is that J.D. McKissick is going to help win a lot of people fantasy championships. Uh, over the last two weeks, 24 carries. Uh, and then Carolina giving up the most rushing yards to opposing running backs. You said Alex Smith is playing. We already know he loves to dink and dunk, and uh, J.D. McKissick getting some carries. So uh, he's going to blow up. He blew up last week, and I continue. I would expect that to continue this week. Moving on to an NFC East showdown, the Dallas Cowboys are hosting the Philadelphia Eagles in a 49-point over-under. Philadelphia favored by two points on the road and probably because of this remarkable rookie quarterback they have in Jalen Hurts. Austin, Jalen Hurts dominated for those who had the cojones last week to put him in their fantasy lineup. Um, wasn't enough in my PPR league, but still, this is working really well for those who, who did it. And how are you feeling about this week? Dallas is a great matchup on paper. Yeah, right. We talked about Jalen Hurts last week against Arizona. It was an upside play. Given his one start was the quarterback 13 output week 14. It was, we saw the upside. We saw what he could bring to the table. And boy, did he deliver week 15. And I think week 16, he's got a pretty good shot of replicating that same output. Um, as we said, he's been the quarterback 13 and the QB1 in his two starts thus far. Um, and those were against much better defenses than the Dallas Cowboys. He could have league-winning upside this week, Travis. Now, I get the concern if you're tempered on this one here. It's just two weeks of a sample size, and he's a rookie. But keep in mind that this is a different NFL. And we've seen Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow start hot and keep it going. Um, this guy has as much upside and maybe even more upside than anybody else in this entire uh, NFL. Yeah, I mean, you make a great point there. I love the big brain take on this. The other thing is we've seen when quarterbacks catch fire, you talked about just this year, but we've seen Robert Griffin, Lamar Jackson, and these guys literally torch earth because defenses don't have enough film on them, right? So at this point, they don't really have that film. They don't have that upper hand on Jalen Hurts, who's new to the NFL, and I think that could be to his advantage, whereas in sometimes in a rookie, that could be to their detriment. I do love what Jalen Hurts done for the running game as well. Miles Sanders, back-to-back -back game with 18 touches, averaging 113 scrimmage yards per game over his last two starts with Hurts. And then this matchup could not get better. Uh, Dallas gives up six most points per game to running backs. Only Houston has given up more rushing yards than Dallas's 1,870 that they've given up to running backs this year. So Miles Sanders is in for a good game. Aust or Johnny, I'm going to ask you if you think anybody in that wide receiving core has a shot to, to break through for you. Yeah, you know, what's wild and unfortunate is that I, you know, we do expect Hurts to go wild and be productive and and have a good game. The problem is for these wide receivers is he just spreads the ball around too much. Uh, he's much like Drew Brees. I mean, that's great for gameplay and and you love it as a coaching staff and as a fan of the team. But it's uh, unfortunate for fantasy football because you can't trust anyone. Alshon Jeffrey four targets over the last two weeks, but he has seen the end zone. And you don't trust that. He, he looks, you know, he's he's old, much older, uh, not the same player he used to be. And then Rieger, uh, he's dealing with an ankle injury. He has seen 12 targets the last two weeks, but he still hasn't had more than 55 receiving yards in a game all year. So it's just too much uh, to gamble in this type of game. But uh, it's unfortunate. Hopefully they'll grab another wide receiver in the draft and have an exciting. It looks like their best pass catching option really isn't a wide receiver. It's been Dallas Goddard, right, Austin? 
Yeah, it has. And we're looking at a new situation in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts behind center. But Godert is still the top pass catching option, an 80% plus snap share uh, in each game that Hurts has been in. And Zach Ertz has, or Hurts and Ertz have, both of them have been active during that stretch, and it hasn't slowed Dallas Godert down. He's had 14 targets combined during the last two weeks, averaging just 41 yards, but this is looking like his floor. And he's getting the opportunity and has the skill set to edge his, this, to edge his ceiling this week against a generally weak Dallas defense. Zach Ertz also, Travi, is not a horrible tight end streaming option um, we saw him score a touchdown week one he hasn't done that since um, but he is getting a 70 percent plus snap share since he's returned and last week 69 yards was second most he's had all season 69 yards nice, nice. <laughs> yeah all right on the other side of the ball we've got the dallas cowboys and johnny tony pollard and those gms that had him in their roster benefited from zeke sitting last week zeke though returning to some capacity of practice this week do you have any kind of inkling on how that's going to shake out? You you definitely did call uh, Zeke sitting last week. So I'm looking at crystal ball again for Whisper Nation. Tell us what's going to happen. Uh, well, unfortunately, the crystal ball is a little clouded uh, this week because uh, I have some some personal uh, input on hoping that that does not happen. Listen, I don't. It's a it's a calf injury. Um, we've seen this hold players out multiple weeks, and you know it. it it wouldn't surprise me at all if Zeke play if if Zeke six sits. It would actually surprise me more if he does end up playing in this game. Um, but again, monitor the situation. If if he's out, here's what's crazy. So if, if Zeke is in, I don't know if I'd play him to be honest with you. Um, Philadelphia has allowed 13 rushing touchdowns to opposing running backs this season. That's their bat their best. Um, you know, asset to opposing running backs is the touchdowns, right? But Zeke has seen very few rushing touchdowns all year. He would be dealing with the calf injury, and there the risk of re-injury is high. So I don't think I would be playing Zeke even if he's in. Now, Tony Pollard, on the other hand, what's interesting is if Zeke is out, Zeke and Tony Pollard normally split care, you know, split playing time, right? It's like 70, 30, uh, you know, and Tony Pollard, when Zeke is, is healthy, he doesn't see, you know, more than, you know, six to eight touches per game, right? Well, with Zeke out, they don't do the same with the backup behind Tony Pollard. So Tony Pollard was seeing 90% of snap shares and was on, and uh, had the second highest scoring running back of last week with 31.2 fantasy points. What's wild is Ezekiel Elliott hasn't had that many fantasy points since week 14 of last season. So he was super efficient. Um, you know, he did score twice on only 12 carries. So don't expect two touchdowns if Tony Pollard plays, but I would uh, play Tony Pollard and, and I expect him to be an RB1 if he plays. Austin, who are we playing out of this wide receiving core for Dallas? A lot of talented guys, a lot of targets to go around. What are we thinking here? The short answer is Amari Cooper, but it deserves a little bit more thought because Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb have both had really, really good weeks. Um, CeeDee Lamb is the floor play. Michael Gallup is the boomer bust option for me, starting there with the latter. Michael Gallup has uh, had 50% shot less than of booming. Two games over 15 points. The rest are under 10 points uh, he's going to be guarded against kevin seymour who's a pretty good cornerback we're talking yellow to or orange danger level um from a pro football focus graded perspective cd lamb is the floor play wide receiver three four for me with upside of course from a talent perspective 
Weeks 11 through 15 with Andy Dalton behind center. CeeDee Lamb was third in snaps, third in targets, third in red zone targets, and third in points. But pretty close with Michael Gallup. Um, I expect to see CeeDee Lamb covered by cornerback uh, Nikhail Robbie Coleman, who grades as Philadelphia's best corner. So that's bringing CeeDee Lamb's appeal down for me. Michael Gallup's is already brought down. Cooper flopped last week, right? And that's a bad time for a fluke, but that's what I got a chalk work week 14's dud up to. He's been Dalton's top option and overall effective, starting as the number wide receiver 10 during Dalton's five starts um, since the bye. He's going to be guarded by Michael Jacquet, who the third who lets up the most yards per route run out of all 96 starting cornerbacks in the NFL. So Amari Cooper's matchup from a defensive standpoint is cake. Um, you just hope that last week's dud was not a trend, and there's really no reason to believe that it is, though. Start Cooper with confidence, fade on Gallup and Lamb. What I don't have confidence in is Andy Dalton, 19 or more fantasy points in three of his last four games. These were tough defenses he faced it too like so you're like oh yeah maybe i could get him in my lineup san francisco baltimore washington he got 19 or more points against those defenses philly though allowing the 13th fewest points to quarterback and i just don't i don't have a i have a feeling the minute you go to put dalton in your lineup you're just going to be very sad that you did i would not be putting dalton in there not in championship week um dalton schultz Worth maybe some stream consideration. Philly's still a decent matchup, allowing 8.9 points per game to tight ends. I think you can do better, uh, but you do have Schultz, uh, you know, getting not. I mean, he had, he just hasn't got it done. He's gotten peripheral numbers, uh, you know, gotten the targets, but six straight weeks of fewer than 50 receiving yards and only one touchdown in his last four games. So for me, very touchdown dependent, and and that's just how tight end rolls. So. All right, another divisional showdown here. Seattle Seahawks hosting the Los Angeles Rams. This is a 47.5 point over under. The Seattle Seahawks favored by 1.5 points. Johnny, we're going to start with the Rams and start with Jared Goff because we've known and we've talked about for weeks and weeks and weeks how good of a matchup this is for opposing quarterbacks. But one of the few quarterbacks to not capitalize on this matchup was, in fact, Jared Goff a few weeks ago when he played the Seattle Seahawks. So how much can we trust Jared Goff this week? Yeah, uh, Travis and Austin, to uh, quote one of our former presidents of the United States of America, I will say this, and I quote, there's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, you can't get fooled again. All right. Uh, I am not starting Jared Goff, despite the the great matchup. Uh, and listen, top five in points allowed to the wide or to the quarterback position. That's Seattle. But Jared Goff is fifth year has failed to throw for at least 210 yards in three of his last four games. Managed a four and four touchdown to interception ratio over that stretch. And we just talked about how juicy those matchups were. So uh, to quote George Bush once more. Uh, you can't fool me anymore. I'm just, I'm not playing. <laughs> Austin, um, first of all, kudos to Johnny on that uh, rendition of of the the great W's uh, quote there. All right, Austin, but let's talk about the running back situation for the Rams because we were really excited as an industry for Cam Akers. Uh, it was a bit of a wheels up situation. He had been taking over, so to speak, but now he's going to be out, high ankle sprain. So that means maybe back to Daryl Henderson. Yeah, Daryl Henderson or Malcolm Brown would be the two halfbacks we expect to see, with the prior being the higher upside play. 
Daryl Anderson, we know what he's capable of producing. Despite receiving less than two points in four out of the last five games, he's still the number 25 halfback on the season. He has the burst, um, and Seattle is a mid-level rush defense who's given up the 15th most points to the running back position. Shaky, risky play with upside. Um, I don't hate it this week. Travi and Daryl Henderson. Malcolm Brown would be the other considered options. Um, he's in on the field because of his skill as a pass blocker and the opportunities he's going to get to rush the ball are really going to be coming to keep the defense honest. So a lot of things are going to need to go right for Malcolm Brown to string a handful of carries together to give you a productive fantasy day. I don't expect to see that happen, even with Cam Akers out. Daryl Henderson is the start. It's still a risky play. It's not a for sure thing, but I like the upside enough to start him in a championship week, Travis. As Johnny hilariously alluded to, Jared Goff has been very inconsistent over the last month or so, maybe his whole career if we look at it. But either way, uh, Cooper Cup has been the one to have been affected the most uh, by this in the wide receiving core. Um, it just has, This offense just has not been as dialed in in the passing game, and Cup is struggling. Five targets only in three of his last four games. Less than 45 receiving yards in each of those. Uh, only five of seven for 50 yards last time these teams played. So really did not hit his ceiling then. Hasn't been hit his ceiling. I don't have the same confidence I had earlier this year with Cup, and that has so much more to do with Goff than it does Cup. But still, it has to do with fantasy football. So for me, Cooper Cup more on the wide receiver 2-3 borderline. But really, Robert Woods is the man here, and this is the matchup you want. Seattle, the fifth-best defense uh, for opposing wide receivers to face. No team allows more wide receiving yards per game uh, than Seattle. 211 yards per game they give up to wide receivers. You look at Robert Woods. He's not only the wide receiver one of this passing attack, but he's the, he is a wide receiver one in fantasy football. Wide receiver 10 in standard, wide receiver 11 in PPR. He scored 15 or more fantasy points in four of his last five, and he's averaging 10 targets over his last five. So we really like Robert Woods this week. Do we really like either of the tight ends, Johnny? Is there any case to make either of them in your lineup? No, they're really both cannibalizing each other. They're both seeing targets, but it, you kind of wish you could just emerge them into one tight end. Um, but, uh, you know, the matchup not great either. Seattle giving up 52 receiving yards to opposing tight ends each game. So I, I would look elsewhere. Story for the last nine seasons for the Seattle Seahawks has been Russell Wilson, or at least centered around Russell Wilson. For fantasy football, over the last five weeks, you've been asking us as uh, experts in this industry to bench or start Russell Wilson. And we've told you, you know, me mostly has said, yes, you should start Russell Wilson. He is your stud. But if you've done that four out of the last five weeks, you've been disappointed. And maybe it costs you your spot in the fantasy playoffs. So, Austin, I need to ask you. Are we benching Russell Wilson this week? The short answer is yes, if you can afford to. Um, take a look at the other options on your waiver wire. This has been a tale of two Russell Wilsons, and it continues on. Um, over the last month and a half, six games, weeks 10 through 15, Russell Wilson is the quarterback 15, sandwiched right between Big Ben and Jared Goff. How do we look at Jared Goff and Big Ben from a fantasy perspective? They're two high-end streaming quarterbacks, and that's really what Russell Wilson is now, a high-end streaming quarterback. And this is not a recommended weekly stream, Travi. The last matchup against the Rams, Week 10, is the only game Russell Wilson's thrown without a touchdown pass. And he also went for two picks at that same time. The Rams have only gotten better since Week 10. They're now the top defense against quarterbacks. And presuming last week's flop against the Jets was a fluke from the Rams defense, this is a shaky start at best for Russell Wilson. How much of that 
fantasy football trickle-down economics trickles to these wide receivers, Johnny? And, and where's our confidence level on these studs? It's definitely affecting them, right? Like these guys were top 10 wide receivers, both of them, uh, in that first half. And then since then, we've seen Tyler Lockett become rather invisible. Uh, he still has a decent-sized floor. So, you know, some people were justifying starting him, but uh, and he was seeing the targets. It just see what they weren't able to get in the end zone. Uh, you look at this matchup, L.A. Rams giving up the 11th fewest passing yards with 175 per game, U.S. fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, and they're giving up the second fewest wide touchdowns to wide receivers with just seven on the year. So I would be I would be benching Lockett. I think there are a lot better options out there. Russell Gage comes to mind. Um, guys like that, uh, I would I would play over uh, Tyler Lockett this week. And then you look at DK Metcalf, he will see Ramsey. It was a difficult matchup, but for me, it comes down to I think I'm still starting DK, even though uh, he did have a stinker against LA last time. Uh, he's had three. He's only had three games where he had single-digit fantasy uh, points in in that game, uh, and so. I would, I you know, I always say this, like, stick with your studs. Do I think t uh, DK could get a touchdown? I definitely do. Yeah, the Rams defense just so good, and that that includes against the run. The Los Angeles Rams only allowing the six fewest rush yards per game. The Rams giving up just fifteen point two points per game to running backs. That's the fourth fewest. So I understand your concern could be there for Chris Carson. I think that's going to extend more to Carlos Hyde, uh, who has, yes, seen 15 carries in two of his last four games. He's also seen two carries in the other two games. So the unpredictable usage, this tough matchup, you're obviously benching Hyde. But I think C Chris Carson is one of the studs on this offense. I'm maybe the most confident in starting. He seems to be fully healthy from the injury, 15 or more touches in three straight games, 4.2 yards per carry or greater in the four games back from injury. And guys, even after missing a month, he's the RB18 in standard and PPR. So he's still just putting up good numbers when he plays. You've got to put him in there regardless of the matchup being tough. The running back landscape just permits it. And, and his uh, skill is the, is the one that gets him in there for you. Really excited to see how this game shakes out from a real football perspective as well as a fantasy football perspective. But maybe the game I'm most geeked about on the schedule is the Sunday night football matchup between my Green Bay Packers, Austin's Green Bay Packers, and these Tennessee Titans who are a very good football team on Sunday night football. Before we dive into this matchup, if you're new to the YouTube channel, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, hit that like button, and go ahead and comment below any fantasy football-relevant questions you have for the Fantasy Whispers, and we will be glad to get back to you on that one. This is the highest over-under on the slate. It's a 56-point over-under. It's the number one over-under here, and I think, guys, it might be the number one over-under on the season. And... Uh, ten or Green Bay favored by just three and a half means it's going to be a close one, which means there's so much meat on the fantasy football bone in this matchup. And so we're going to start here, Austin, with Ryan Tannehill, who has just been really good at fantasy and real football for the Tennessee Titans since taking over this job. Yeah, and I think he's even made kind of an underrated stud. I mean, he's the yeah. number seven quarterback on the season, and he's gone under 20 fantasy points just three times while getting 30 or more points five times this season with last week's 43 points a season high that is in six point passing touchdown leagues but he has shown a little bit of downside against tougher defenses and green bay's defense comes in letting up the ninth fewest points to as you put enemy quarterbacks so you're still going to be starting ryan Tannehill in this game but you do have to temper expectations as green bay's defense is a little bit better against quarterbacks than you might expect 
Johnny, what does that mean, if anything, for Derrick Henry? I mean, obviously we're not benching him, but just how good has he been and how much are fantasy football GMs salvating at this matchup against Green Bay? Well, you talk about how good has Derrick Henry been coming into this game. He has one less two-touchdown game. Four, he's got four of those. Then on the season, then he has scoreless games on the season in five. So he's he's double-digit touchdowns in four and zero touchdowns in five. Like, that's pretty miraculous. Um, and I expect Henry to tie that up this week, you know, with uh, five games of two touchdowns or more uh, uh, with his five games of non-scoreless touchdowns against the Packers. Listen, you guys talked about um, points surrendered to opposing uh, enemy enemy positions. Well, the Green Bay Packers, they haven't been calling the running back the enemy, opposing uh, running back the enemy. They've been calling him their friend because they're just saying, hey, just like they do with the fans. Hey, I love Green Bay Packers fans, but they're just like, hey, come join us, have some beer because they're having top five in points allowed to the running back position. They've allowed 13 rushing touchdowns on the season, which is fifth most in the league. So they're just having everybody uh, uh, from opposing running backs come and say, hey, have yourself a day. Have your enjoy the times. This is Lambo, uh, but we'll we'll still win the game. But I think Derrick Henry is going to have a massive, massive game. Yeah, John or uh, Austin, you talked about Ryan Tannehill. He's blessed with a couple good wide receivers in AJ Brown and Corey Davis as well. Um, obviously, AJ Brown's a stud. I think he's an auto start. You know, we've talked on at length about Green Bay's secondary being very good, very savvy against opposing wide receivers, uh, but. A.J. Brown's going to get a lot of Kevin King, who's given up 1.22 yards per route run. Um, that's the most of any uh, Green Bay cornerback, so you like to see that if you're an A.J. Brown uh, GM. He scored at least once in nine of his last 11 games, 15 or more PPR fantasy points in five of his last sevens. I think the real question comes in Corey Davis. But Corey Davis has been really good himself. He's eclipsed 100 yards in three of his last five games, four or more catches in four of his last seven. Green Bay just giving up the 11th fewest points per game to fantasy wide receivers. But Corey Davis is going to be a big part of this passing attack in the highest over-under on the weekend. And like I said, maybe the highest over-under on the year. I'm firing up Corey Davis. I think he's going to be a little impervious to this matchup here. And I just think there's going to be points scored in this game. And so, Austin, I'll ask you about Jonas Smith. Um, very touchdown dependent. Very yeah. even. He's evened out as that breakout tight end. But how do we feel in this matchup? I feel... Well, Jonny Smith, we know that he's a touchdown-dependent tight end now, plus, because we know how involved he is on the field. He's always there. Anthony Ferkshire is not real competition for Jonu Smith. Um, he's been really, really down since that week one through five run, but last week's five catches and 50 yards were the most that he's had since September, uh, week three, in fact. Green Bay lets up the sixth fewest points to tight ends, though. I'm not loving this matchup, but he is looking like he's more healthy. He does have a role in the offense. Um, if you're, He's a streamable option, and he's not a bad streamable option unless you had a legit stud on your roster ahead of him. Johnny, if you're saying that the, the run defense for the Packers is welcoming in Derrick Henry like a backyard barbecue, I'm going to ask who's going to have better brats. Will it be the Tennessee passing defense fear, uh, you know, letting in Aaron Rodgers to their party, or will it be the other way around? I mean, Aaron Rodgers set up to really just dissect a terrible passing defense this week. I mean, terrible passing defense is an understatement. I mean, they're giving up the eighth most touchdowns to opposing quarterbacks, fourth most passing yards to opposing quarterbacks. 
and uh, giving up on average 283 passing yards. So uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be delivering much more than than Bratz uh, when it comes to this game. Uh, he'll probably be adding, bringing the beer to put with the brats and make it even extra better with with a couple onions in there. Roast those up. It's going to be fantastic. Aaron Rodgers, third third quarterback right now uh, in fantasy points amongst quarterbacks. Last week, he's uh, it snapped a four-game streak of three or more passing touchdowns. I expect that to get back on track this week. And he has thrown for 250 yards or more in seven out of nine games. He is going to absolute feast. I am scared uh, out of my mind about this game uh, uh, with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers isn't the only Aaron that we like this week. And so I'll ask you, Austin, how juicy is this situation? You know, speaking of Bratwurst, how juicy is this situation uh, for Aaron Jones against the Tennessee Titans? Oh, my God, Travis, it's so juicy. We've been talking a lot in the December 2020 period of convergence. We've got Saturn and Jupiter coming together. It's this perfect moment in time of, of variables happening, and it's this once-in-a-lifetime observation. That's what we got with Aaron Jones in Week 16. You got the, the great convergence times two right now. We're going up against the Titans, who have led up the seventh most points to fantasy running backs. So it's a pretty cake matchup already. And Jamal Williams is dealing with a thigh injury. He's got to check his his health throughout the week he could be out but you love this type of injury from an Aaron Jones perspective because even if he's active he's not going to be involved his skill set ceiling is going to decrease Jamal Williams as that is so whatever his status is Aaron Jones's workload and expectations and need is going to go up for the Green Bay Packers um, and last week Aaron Jones saw a season leading 20 touches which he took for 145 yards and a touchdown. The man is very, very good. The offense is very, very good. His role on the team is solidified. The matchup is pretty cake. This could be like a 40-burger game if it all goes right. It's got to happen, but it's like it's not even really a hard path for something like that to happen. Look, Aaron Rodgers is very, very good. Aaron Jones is very, very good. And Devontae Adams is very, very good. And look, last week was his first game in his previous eight without a touchdown. If you, avo- if you got De- Devontae Adams last week, you were very happy. If you get him this week, I can't imagine you think that that's going to continue uh, this week. Facing a Tennessee defense that has given up the fifth most receiving touchdowns to wide receivers in 2020. Give me Devontae Adams, obviously, in a smash spot. The question becomes the weapons behind him. And if you've heard me say multiple times, you could roll the dice here on MVS, maybe. I'm not going to go that route here. Although Tennessee, 26 points per game they allow. That's the seventh most among any defense. I actually would fade MVS for Alan Lazard. I think he's the dart throw here. Uh, Highest snap share and target share since returning from his injury last week. And the over and under, the points, the matchup, I think it all leans to Lazard, who's gotten a little bit more target share over the last few games than MVS. So I think I would side with that. But, Johnny, I think really the the secondary option through the passing game has been Robert Tunyon. Yeah, this guy's been on absolute tear. He's gone over 40 yards twice in the last six games, uh, which is pretty significant for a tight end who's kind of came up late. Uh, But here's what you really like. Uh, He scored a touchdown in five straight games. So I would roll out Tunyon. Um, you know, he's with those, you know, Noah Fant, Hurst uh, kind of plays. And I actually like him the second best out of those plays. I, I think I would have Noah Fant first, but then 
uh, Tunyon as a second uh, when you're trying to string You need the to put some respect on Robert Tunyon's name, John. I He's call the him number Bobby, okay? Tight end. Listen, He's I call the number him three the tight end. He's mini Kittle, dude. He's not just a streamable tight end. He's locked in. He's an auto start. Wait, Five straight listen. games with a touchdown. Let's go. I heard. Not, I have a little concern. I have a little cause for concern when I, when you hear Aaron Rodgers give him the whole "God damn it, Bobby." You know, like you you saw it last week uh, on the game, and uh, it makes me a little concerned. So I thought what I loved was- last week against Carolina. You saw the the play he scored on. They went for it. He did say he he did get pissed off at Robert Tunyon. They went to the exact same play on the other side of the field. They did the old Madden L2 flip the play oh, yeah. and just did the same play <laughs> on the outlet. Uh, so I loved and claimed that. It I love Robert Tunyon. The best I is – yeah, yeah, I think Robert Tunyon's set for a, a good game against Tennessee. So The best I, I mean, is when – uh, yeah, the best is when, when you claim that you didn't just flip the play. Yeah. Oh, it was a different play. Oh, Matt LaFleur, dude. You know you're dialed in as a play caller when you just like you're feeling yourself so much you just flip the play to the other side of the field directly right after it. I, I always wonder how many times, this is a little off topic, when they come out there and then the, the defense calls a timeout, do they go to the exact same play and formation that they were gonna call before the timeout? Wonder how many of those head games uh, happen there. Just a little inside there. The Monday night football matchup is our next one here, and that's the New England Patriots hosting the Buffalo Bills in Foxborough. Before we jump into this matchup, if you're new to the YouTube channel, go ahead and hit subscribe. Hit that like button and comment below for any fantasy football questions you have for Dynasty Redraft or just anything in general. We will answer them here at the Fantasy Whispers. New England uh, wrote our home, home underdogs here by seven points to a very, very hot Buffalo squad. They are getting it done everywhere except for the running back position, uh, Austin, it doesn't seem to be something that really gets it going here. Anything, though, to be made out of Zach Moss, who had a decent game last week. Yeah, Zach Moss had a decent game. Well, Devin Singletary really especially had a good game with a 15.9 fantasy output, which I think was going to have a lot of managers if you just take a look at that box score saying, hey, this is a startable running back, a streamable option here week 16. And I would say temper expectations on Devin Singletary and get excited about Zach Moss. Here's why. Let's start with the prior. That 15.9 output from Devin Singletary in week 15 was just 17 yards on the ground before a garbage time 51-yard rushing breakthrough against a tired and apathetic Broncos defense. Devin Singletary is not the halfback you want to start. Zach Moss, though, if we hop in the time machine and take a look at week eight when the Bills played the Patriots, Moss had 14 carries against the Patriots, which was a season high. Get 81 yards on the ground, tied a season high. Two touchdowns, season high but really was just his fourth best day from a yards per carry perspective, which shows me there's actually more juice in the fruit. He had a great day in so many areas, but we know he's actually capable of more. This is a plus matchup as the Patriots given up the ninth most amount of points to fantasy running backs and come in ranked as the 23rd rush defense. I'm liking this uh, Zach Moss start in championship week, Travi. That's an interesting take. I didn't know if we were going to get there with Zach Moss at all this year, but this would be the spot to do it, as you you made the case so eloquently there. I just do have some concern because of what Josh Allen is capable to do as a runner. Um, but Allen coming in hot this week, you're obviously starting him four total touchdowns and 36 fantasy points performance against Denver last week. He's got 30 or more rushing yards in three of his last five. And kind of the reason why we we have been concerned about the backs five rushing touchdowns for josh allen over his last seven games so he can um, rob you or vulture your your back there 
But I think we need to temper a little bit of expectations on Allen. Despite New England's struggles as a team, despite all the opt-outs this year, they're still very good, at least from a fantasy perspective, against enemy quarterbacks. Pat's allowing only 15.5 points per game. That's the third fewest. They held this same Josh Allen, this same Buffalo team, uh, and Josh Allen to under 13 fantasy points in Week 8. So a little bit of concern with Allen. The ceiling is always there, so you're going to continue to roll him out. And, of course, he's got great weapons, Johnny, and it starts with Stephon Diggs. Yeah, some people might might be concerned about uh, Diggs because there was a report that came up in late in the game on uh, this past week about Diggs and a foot. Uh, he did uh, have limited participation in practice. They're saying he should be good to go if he, you know, as long as he's good uh, or you know lacing him up. I'm I'm playing him. He's gotten you this far. The dude is an absolute stud. He's showing that uh, this year, despite the matchup being that uh, with. The New England Patriots being the third uh, most difficult uh, to opposing wide receivers. I would still start Diggs. Uh, I'm still confident in that. Uh, Cole Beasley, I would downgrade him a little bit, um, but he has seen three straight games of 10 or more targets. So I think if I'm in a PPR league, I'm still rolling him out. We also need to remember uh, or, or understand that um, the Patriots lost probably uh, their best corner uh, in, in – maybe one of the best corners in the league last week to a, uh, an injury in Gilmore. So uh, that should free some things up for Diggs. It should open up a little bit for Beasley. I'm, I'm very similar into Travis and that I think that this could be a little bit more of a Josh Allen game than it was uh, before they met. Um, but I, you know, I wouldn't get too cute with Gabriel Davis. He has a low floor and he has, you know, he can score a touchdown. He's been kind of hot in that area but again it's just too fluky for me in a championship weekend i would pretty much be only suggesting digs and then beasley if i'm in a ppr league dawson knox been pretty hot too so i could understand fantasy gms coming in maybe they streamed him last week he's had three touchdowns in, in his last four games uh, but he's yet to top 40 receiving yards and this is not a great matchup i'd be benching knox this week pat's allow have allowed only one receiving touchdown to a tight end this season one that's the absolute lowest mark in the NFL so uh, I would not be starting Dawson Knox who is the epitome of a touchdown dependent tight end Austin Buffalo looks like a great matchup for these Patriot backs but can we trust any of them in our lineup uh, because of the way they split time with each other not no you can't and not just because of the way they split time with each other but the way the New England Patriots organization disseminates information the big thing here is Damian Harris was out last week with an ankle injury, and we haven't gotten really like any news about him since then. Not only that, Sonny Michelle's been in this season, out this season, on the IR, and seemingly on it with zero lead up. It's like, bam, so-and-so is on the IR. You're like, I didn't even know that they were dealing with an issue. And that's important because when one of them has played and the other one's been out, you can have pretty decent RB2 fantasy outputs. Um, like last week where Sony Michelle was Mondo efficient as he has been in two out of his six games this season. Week 15, he had 10 carries. He took it for 74 yards. That counts as Mondo efficient and helped bring his season average, get this, up to 5.7 yards per carry for Sony Michelle. Um, but he is still the clear number two halfback behind Damian Harris. You got to keep an eye out for that injury. Um, Damian Harris, not too shabby on his YPC either at 5.0 and collected 11 plus touches in nine out of the 10 games he's been active. Um, but he's been out again with the ankle and there really hasn't been much news. I'm reading weird websites to try to get insight on this ones. We get all kinds of pop-ups coming across your stuff from some beat reporter who's like 
you know, whatever. Um, there's no news. They've got hey, this lot. Conspiracy up. theories are hot in 2020. Maybe you got to do it for fantasy football. I get That's it. That's all we got is conspiracy theories because there's been no reliable information coming out of Patriots organization. This week's no different. Um, but look, you want to see one of these guys go on and you'd love it if it was Harris because in week 10 against Buffalo, that was his best game of the season. He had 16 carries for 102 yards and a touchdown. If both of these guys are active, though, man, you don't like to see that. Uh, but if it's Harris, if he's active, if he's in, I feel pretty comfortable about starting him um, in week 16. Hopefully he's more of a toilet bowl option for you than he is a championship option for you. Um, temper expectations. But there is some meat on this bone, Travi. There should be meat on the bone for the slot wide receiver going up against the slot cornerback of Buffalo. We've talked about it at length this year uh, among, you know, things like new normal. Uh, the new normal for the Buffalo Bills has been their slot corner giving up a lot of points, except for it didn't happen last week for K.J. Hamler and the Denver Broncos and Jacoby Myers. That's who's going to get him this week. Do we feel comfortable, Johnny, with Jacoby Myers? No, I don't. Um, I mean, there is some upside. Obviously, we've seen it over the last couple of weeks. But again, we have to remember it's Cam Newton throwing the ball, how inconsistent he's been. And unfortunately, uh, he'll go back to struggling ways against Buffalo, uh, who, you know, be, who has really stepped up overall as a defense over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Jacoby Myers isn't anything but a wide receiver four to me. And, and then you look at, uh, you know, just his whole defense as a whole, bottom seven in points allowed. that was some... Uh... Said that with some vitriol, man. You're nothing but a wide receiver four to me. Uh, yeah, that's that's about as confident as I I feel. Uh, and you break game. a promise to you in seventh grade or something? Yeah. No, well, I do. I do really want to see him. He is a very intriguing player to me. It's just frustrating, and I feel very bad for Cam Newton. I just I feel bad for the guy. I really do. I wish he was playing better. Um, and it's just unfortunate, but uh... it just does not look good anymore. Uh, unfortunately for him, he just cannot recapture some of that magic in his last four starts. Newton has scored above 12 fantasy points just once. Hasn't even scored a rushing touchdown in four of his last five. Uh, you know, something we were banking on for him uh, is just not been hitting either. He's got no ceiling. The floor is bottomed out too many times this year. You're not starting Cam Newton, um, just like you're not starting some of those wide receivers. I think the only meet there was in the running backs, as Austin uh, put out right there. And, and there's really not a lot there either. Um, if you guys have any more questions, please comment below and let us know. And remember, you can reach us on all fantasy football platforms or social media platforms by searching the Fantasy Whispers. For Johnny Game Time Hicks, for Austin Sear, I am Big Travi, and we are the Fantasy Whispers. And we're out. Merry Peace. Christmas. Peace. Bring home that championship. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.